0: You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Let's Talk About It. When you send your kids uh, or some of, for some of you, your grandkids off to school, you expect a few things. You believe they will master levels of math, that they will learn to communicate through their writing, and will be challenged to problem solve using many different tools, But what about the soft skills uh, that all of our students need that will allow them to find their way in new environments? Today, we are discussing the concept and integration of social and emotional learning in the classroom, also referred to as SEL. I've invited Sean Bierman, Ankeny School's social and emotional learning specialist. She's joined by two Ankeny School leaders that are in the process of incorporating SEL in their buildings. Welcome to Prairie Ridge Middle School Principal Jason Aker, and Southeast Assistant Principal Whitney Longton. Sean, Whitney, Jason, welcome. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having us here today.
0: Glad to have you here. And so, Sean, I want to start off with you. And so, for our audience uh, who may not necessarily be familiar with SEL, could you explain what the five parts of SEL are and how does CASEL define SEL?
1: Sure, when we think of um, Castle, is kind of the the leading experts in the area of social emotional learning, and so they really provide a lot of support and structure, but that doesn't mean that we as a community don't help identify some of those parts as well. So when we think of the five components that Castle really has researched and shows effectiveness, um, the two internal ones are the self-awareness and self-management. So those are the two internal processes that we want our students and staff, employees to be able to learn and build on. Social awareness and relationship skills, that's where we're interacting with one another. Maybe in small groups, maybe, you know, just two people. But that then leads to our ability to make responsible decision-making. And those five components, as we build those and integrate those into academics, helps build the skills of our students and our teachers and creates more of a community and sense of belonging. And when we look at the castle, five, those components, you also see outer circles to talk about family engagement and community. Social emotional learning is often thought of as explicit teaching to students, Mm -hmm. when really there's 10 components that shows a school or a district is working through that. And those 10 components then support that family engagement, community engagement, and that opportunity for all of us to grow better as a community in general.
0: So uh, let's talk about responsible decision-making. How does that actually play out and self-awareness, uh, to, uh, as a matter of fact, how does that play out um, with our students um, when they first enter our educational system in pre-K or in kindergarten? How does that play out as they matriculate through school?
1: Well, when we think of self-awareness as, as our little guys, our kindergarten, pre-K, kindergarten, probably uh, pre-K to second grade, when we look at the, like, the Iowa competencies that they've written up, they really do a nice job of identifying how and what we should be expecting for that grade level. And pre-K is some of those simpler skills of I see a toy that I really like, I take it from someone else, mm-hmm. and then becoming aware in that process with, between the, with the teacher and that other student, how did I maybe hurt that person's feelings when I took that toy away? How could I maybe find a better way to ask for that? And so with that, that social interaction and skill, that decision to I see something I want that a preschooler doesn't compute necessarily, <laughs> I should ask first. That's a practice they have to learn. And so that's part of when we think about social emotional learning, why it starts at such a young age. Right. But let's, let's jump up to our, our, our high schoolers. <laughs> and they're in a math, they've been in a, in a math class and their math teacher says, hey, before we hand out your quizzes that you took yesterday, I want you to stop and think about how did you prepare yourself for this quiz? What were things that you thought about to help you do well on this quiz? And have the students kind of record that and then get their their quiz back, look at their test. Are you happy with the grade you got? When you look at that, what are ways you could do differently? What are things that you could plan ahead of to be more successful on your next quiz? And that's where when we think about social emotional learning, some folks think it belongs with counselors or social workers, or it's just family, but really it's something we do all the time.
0: Absolutely, and so, being a teacher and um, former first grade teacher, um, it's definitely part of a teacher's everyday experience. Um, it's how teachers organize their room. It's how they build expectations for students um, regarding behavior, regarding academics, uh, regarding uh, those social interactions in, in the classroom. And so, Whitney, how does that play out um, in, um, our, in our schools at the elementary level because... When we think about um, SEL, um, especially around social interaction, uh, responsible decision making, we inevitably begin talking uh, about um, discipline and how kids are interacting with one another. As a teacher, uh, the, one of the things that I did and I'm sure our teachers do during the summer before we receive kids is that uh, they start looking at their classroom management plans. You know, um, How are they setting their rooms up? For success, um, how are um, they going to how are they going to establish rules and expectations uh, for the students? Um, how are they going to have kids move and interact in the classroom, in the hallways, in the lunchroom, on the playground, on the bus? The list goes on and on. And so, uh, how does that play out um, the way you've seen it um, at, um, at your school?
2: Yeah, great question. I think um, in the elementary world, we spend a lot of time. Thinking through all those things you just listed, how do we um, proactively set up our students to um, be able to have those transitions and work through different parts of their day, like a disagreement at recess or um, working with a partner um, during math centers or just those different parts? And so, our teachers are really intentional about building in those opportunities, and within a math lesson, might also come some learning about if you disagree with your partner today, what are some words that you could use? Um, and giving them those question stems. Um, and we also believe that if students um, do struggle with a partner, that that's a learning opportunity for us to come in and coach and help them um, figure out how can I do better next time with the words I use and um, asking to borrow that toy instead of just right. taking it. Um, so it's just a constant. other teachers are always thinking about um, those steps forward of helping our kids.
0: And so Jason, Sean talked about those early grade levels um, in early elementary and um, in late in elementary around self-awareness, responsible decision making, social interaction, and speaking about social interaction and responsible decision making. What better place do we need those things than <laughs> in our middle schools, sixth and seventh grade? And so what does that look like um, in the middle school with, with our six, seven
3: uh, graders? Yeah. So I was thinking, as Sean was mentioning those things, I was like, well, that's that's the kindergartner. But now you're in sixth grade and suddenly, you know, um, the brain is changing and, and kids are a lot more um, impulsive in how they, you know, make decisions. Um, and so, you know, there's a there's a lot to this when we, we kind of think about um, social emotional learning in our middle school. Um, you know, some of the things that stand out to me for sure is, is that self-awareness piece, but then, you know, that responsible decision-making and how we as adults respond to that. So, um, you know, we're doing a lot with visiting with our students and talking about, um, choices that they make, but also from from us, I think we have some higher expectations as adults sometimes that we um, just think because our kids are in secondary schools now, they should be able to make decisions without a whole lot of thought around this. So so we're, we're kind of um, really examining, Sean's kind of got us down this path of examining ourselves, right? Like, what emotions do I bring to the table as an adult when I'm responding to a certain kid? Um, you know, what is my uh, personal identity as an adult? What are my experiences that shape how I how I feel my my class should be run and we're trying to shape those a little bit back into thinking about our students and, and, and how we can support them through these challenging times, right? In their life as they develop and, and understanding that, you know, their self-management may not quite be what we want it to be. So, you know, uh, how are we going to build those things in? And those skills are, are just really
0: vital to the success of our students when they transition from fifth to sixth grade, because, Being in an environment in our elementary schools where you're in a self-contained classroom, you're with with Mm -hmm. your homeroom teacher all day, you're building that relationship with that one teacher, you know that teacher really well, Um, you you know uh, what buttons to push, what buttons not to push with that one teacher. But then when you transition to sixth grade, you have a, a completely different culture, completely different expectation movement in the building. You go from one adult to potentially seven or eight adults that you're interacting with, that, you're, you're, that our, our sixth and seventh graders are, are attempting to figure out, um, do they like me? What I need to do to impress them? What I need to do to get an A in the classroom? And so these the, the social interactions that we teach at the elementary level are really vital for our Middle school kids to set them up for even more success as they transition from sixth, seventh to our eight, nine building, and to eventually our, our high school. And so, Sean, um, with all the work that you've been doing around um, SEL this year, how long has SEL been around um, as a standalone program?
1: Uh, the Iowa Department of Education started SEL um, in that notorious school year. Pre-COVID. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's really the first formal, um, I'd say formal time where we're looking in in the state of Iowa of having um, an expectation. I think that one of the misnomers is SEL has existed in many different names. Mm -hmm. And so um, sometimes there's confusion around what it is. And I think the the Department of Ed really wanted us to be more specific and really think more thoughtful and really use a research-based framework. Mm -hmm to be able to strengthen things.
0: right?
1: And so um, it is very new. Um, I had the privilege, and I've been in the Des Moines schools the last 17 years, and I had the privilege of being part of their SEL task force and planning and rolling things out and um, developing a strategic plan, attending some trainings and different things. And it's really been a passion of mine um, because I think when, when our kids feel like they belong in our schools, when they feel like their community of peers care about them, right? they have more potential to be able to learn right then they're not as worried about all those social things that become so important um and it's really important at all grade levels but particularly in those that that six to nine range yeah (laughs) when they're really figuring out who they are right and so i think that um this year um that ankeny has done a strategic plan and so social emotional learning was a part of that and so we're At this point, I've completed an audit where I had the opportunity to go to 17 buildings and meet some amazing staff and learn about what's been happening in Ankeny because one of our goals is not to overload what's happening, but also to make sure we're doing best practice. And so we really have developed, um, we're we're working on revising how some of those pieces um, within the strategic plan so we do best practice and don't go in and repeat. Right. And so buildings are at different spots that we want to be able to support them with.
0: And so with that understanding of where SEL is positioned within the state, what what does that work look like with Jason um, and and Whitney at their respective schools?
1: Well, for Jason's school, we started off with really doing some, um, he, he had, they really talked about their conditions of learning and thinking about where they were and trying to really look at that data and think about what do we need to do differently to start with. And then I came in and have been providing their three, what we call foundational social emotional learning. So when adults are able to identify and label their own emotions and have an understanding of who and who they are and what they believe Mm -hmm. and how that impacts their classroom and their perspective, that enhances their skill and comfort in being able to then talk to kids in those different situations. So with Jason's group, that's where we've kind of started. And then um, at Southeast, um, I came in and we, I think, and I, I want both of them to be able to talk about absolutely. what Absolutely, absolutely. But as supporting them as their work is going, um, Southeast, we started looking at some restorative practices, and Jason's group is also looking at restorative practices. So we're at different spots, but all of it intertwines with social-emotional learning um, to support that environment to create yeah. a belonging space.
0: So you, you used a, use a term that some of our listeners may not necessarily be familiar with. So the term was restorative practices. And so when we hear that when we use that term in, in, in an educational setting, what does that mean, um, restorative practices?
1: When Often when people hear restorative practices, they think of it as a response to be, like high level behaviors. When really what research shows us is when we have opportunities um, where restorative practices are happening at smaller venues, mm-hmm. like in small groups or little pieces, or students have the experience of being um, in the circle process, which is common in restorative practices, where each individual in the circle has an opportunity to speak and be heard, and then develop a plan as they go forward as a community, we see good growth. And so that allows us then to do a restorative practices tier one, two, and three through our MTSS behavior portion of, of our school systems. And so,
0: and so for our listeners, MTSS is a multi-tiered system of support.
1: Right. right. And there's kind of an academic component and a behavior component. And so when we blend those together, it builds a stronger community within each school or building.
0: And so the f- from my understanding and you know, my work when I was uh, at the school level and at the district level, the, the power of restorative practices is because um, in education, we need our students in the building learning the, the more we can do to empower them to solve problems, to, to come to resolution and keep them in schools. It actually increases our ability to teach them and have them learn what we intend for them to learn throughout the entire school year um, as um, compared to suspension um, or expulsion if it gets to that point. Would you agree?
1: Yes. When, when our students have the ability to process through what happened, most, most kids, my experience, whether it be kids or adults, their intention is to do something good. It mm-hmm. didn't turn out the way they thought it would. And so when they have the opportunity to self-reflect on that and to think about how what they, what, what they did and how it might have impacted someone else, And have the opportunity to have that conversation with that person, it allows them to save face. Mm -hmm. It allows them to, you know, have the ability to um, reintegrate or be a part of that community and know that that is not a something that's going to be held against them.
0: And so there, there may be some people out there that you know say, you know what, you know, if someone, if, if a child, if a student breaks a rule, they should be disciplined. They should be kicked out. To, to, to teach them a lesson, you know, um, what would you say to that approach that, you know, I, I was probably guilty of when I was a principal and maybe a teacher, um, what's the, the downside of if someone makes a mistake, we kick them out of school through suspension or detention? Uh, what's, the, what's the downside to that versus um, approaching from a restorative practices um, paradigm?
1: When we think of the restorative practice, one of the things about supportive behavior that's important to understand is it doesn't mean that there isn't a consequence, but what that consequence looks like needs to really relate in a way that will help change the behavior. So if you have a student who's who needs to be suspended so you can develop a plan, when they come back, how do we help that reintegration into that classroom so they're still a part of it?
0: Right.
1: Um, I don't know. I know Whitney has had some experience at Southeast where she's been working with some small groups and different things,
2: yeah. if she wants to speak yeah. a little so, bit
0: more about yeah. it. Yeah, so Whitney, what, what does SEL looked like um, at uh, Southeast?
2: Yeah, um, we've been doing a lot of work at that Tier 1 level to kind of start with this school year, um, where we started with staff, um, and like Jason mentioned, kind of identifying within ourselves. What are our own emotions when things occur within our building, whether it's big emotions from students or behaviors, and how do we support them through that? Um, But we also have done a lot with um, circles, as Sean mentioned. And again, we started at the staff level where we um, did circles together and to help with that community connectedness, um, identifying how do we support each other best. Um, And now we've seen that um, trickle down into our classrooms. And so now a lot of times when you walk into our classrooms at Southeast, you'll see teachers that are doing um, restorative circles We're just morning meetings that are also in that circle. Um, And it's a way for students to connect, their voices to be heard. Um, We've had, just this morning, I got to participate in a classroom in first grade. Um, Students were reflecting on some... um, behaviors that they saw their classmates having that were big emotions and big responses and so they had the opportunity to talk about how did that make them feel and how do we work as a community to um, help each other during those moments so that we can all be together Um, because we know that every student brings great um, qualities that we need in every classroom
0: and so Jason thank you Whitney and Jason how does SEL look like at the middle school?
3: Yeah, so I think uh, one of the big takeaways that I got from Sean earlier this year, right, is looking looking for SEL in like everything we do. And you mentioned earlier, you know, like in the lessons that we plan, in our interactions with students, right, there's SEL components in every piece of that. And so um, kind of thinking about today a little bit, right, I started to kind of identify those, but at its core level for us where we're at right now, you know, how do we, How do we want to support our students? How do we want to give our students voice, um, engage them in their learning, engage them in their learning about themselves um, at a grade level where maybe that isn't common practice, right? On some level, right? There's content, there's things that have to be done. And so really where we're focusing right now is at the teacher level, right? How do we we encourage those SEL skills in teachers? How do we, um, you know, staff uh, principals? And so, you know, I think about like, bringing students into my office, let's say, for, for discipline type reasons. I, I understand that some people feel that discipline is punitive. And um, I I think I might have said something to Dr. Pruitt the other day that like when a kid comes into my office, sometimes it's the first time they've met me ever, right? Because I'm <laughs> right. brand new. And so whether or not they're in trouble, whether or not they did something, like I always start with just a conversation with them, engage them in who they are, who their siblings are, what they like to do, right? Because... Because I have to understand that although there may be a consequence that is punitive, there's also consequences that are going to lead to um, success for that student in other ways, right? right. So, as Sean mentioned, restoring um, the relationship between two people, or when they come back, how are we going to make sure that their transition back into school is is smooth? So, so those are the things I'm trying to like, you know, encourage in, in staff and and myself to like be you know setting the groundwork right away.
0: And I think that you, you mentioned teachers. The teachers' ability to support and engage students is is really important. Not only at the middle school level, uh, definitely at the elementary, and absolutely at the high school level. I, I think that we you know we've talked about the importance and those skills that we want that we're wanting to develop in students um, in, that, that that allow them to be successful in school. But I think another part of this around how teachers can get students to be successful is how we are helping teachers um, form even better relationships with the stu- our, our students in order to engage them at, at a deeper level. And so what part, Sean, of developing better relationships um, is aligned with the LCL work that we're wanting to see in our schools and in our classrooms?
1: When we think about social emotional learning and relationships, we, we think on multiple levels, staff to staff, uh, staff to student, student to student, staff to families, and being intentional and in finding ways that we involve all of those. One of the key elements is kind of understanding that we make relationships all the time. Are we making relationships that have a, a healthy connection? Mm-hmm. Um, just like a healthy connection is a good thing. If you have a negative start of a relationship and don't, don't mend it or don't acknowledge that, um, sometimes there's a false belief there's not a relationship because it's not good. Well, no, there is a relationship. It's not positive. So how do we help turn and change that? And that's where when we have that self-awareness and have that ability to reflect on how we're feeling, or even walking into a room and thinking, okay, my day started off rough with my own kids. Right. How do I self-manage that and suspend that for a while? Because I know when I get done with my morning circle or my morning advisory, I can step next door and vent to my, my, my coworker. And then that'll help me. But I can suspend that for right now. I can, right. I can focus in where I'm at. And that allows us to build that, that connection. And when our students feel like they belong, that gives them a reason to want to be committed to help others within their community.
0: And so you talked about those initial positive or negative interactions. And so what type of compounding effect do those negative interactions, initial interactions have on students and the classroom if it's not corrected?
1: When I'm going to go into a little brain science for a minute because I think when we include and help educate people on how our brain functions... It's really helpful. The brain is designed to take care of us, to keep us alive, to keep Mm -hmm. us safe. If a student has an experience with a teacher that is uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable all year, that next teacher that has that student fights that battle. And so if that accumulates year after year, that makes it tougher each year.
0: Right.
1: Maybe the student does really well in all, all content area except for reading. So if that relationship within reading, if we can't help them see growth and feel some self-efficacy, some skills that they have in reading, they have a harder time next year when they walk into reading thinking they can do it. And that that little, it doesn't sound like much, but it's kind of like a a drip on a sink. If you put a glass on there and you let it drip all day, it's going to fill up. And so when we are conscious about and thinking the importance of our relationships and making sure students feel like they belong, it adds up over each year
0: yeah yeah and so you know you, you talk about the you know, interactions, the the skills that are needed for the teacher, but you know, also for students. And, they, and we're talking about soft skills, you know, the, you know these relationship type of skills and and for a school system where you know we're measuring math, reading, writing, science, you know history, how do we measure um, the impact of SEL? at the district level. And then I'm going to go to Sean and Whitney around how they measure it um, at the school level. so Sean, now how do we go about measuring uh, the impact and um, effectiveness of implementing um, or having this model around SEO within our district?
1: Well, one component that we currently collect is around, um, the conditions of learning. Okay. When we have that information of, uh, and, and we have reports from parents on on the sense of how they they perceive how their kids feel and belong, when we know that how kids feel about where they're going and what's happening, that condition of learning is a good clue. Mm-hmm. We're also investigating and looking at different possible surveys or tools that we can use um, to better understand what that need is. Because one of our big goals will not only be to educate students and staff but also our parents give our parents some skills that they might want to enhance with their own with their children so that they they feel like they have a better connection too um i think we're coming out of a time where folks are feeling stressed and so how do we rebuild some of that foundational right stuff with our families as well um if it's good for us to learn if it's good for our students to learn i know we got families that want to be a part of that too absolutely so we want to make sure we involve them
0: absolutely and so jason um uh, new to Ankeny, but not new to school leadership. How have you gone about measuring uh, the effectiveness of um, implementing SEL um, in, in, um, at, at your campus?
3: Yeah, so Sean talked about conditions of learning, which obviously, right, as a school, we take that once a year. But um, in our building, we we kind of modified that a little bit, and we wanted to implement that more throughout the year. So, um, So we took those conditions of learning survey questions or categories that that the um, yearly um, survey gives. And we kind of fine tune those a little bit, same wording, but more specific to our building and, and for um, our students. And so we're, we're giving that throughout the year. Um, Identifying um, areas of improvement, we tr- um, our teachers are working hard to try to um, realize what's in maybe um, their circle of influence as far as what they can impact directly with that, uh, and then putting some plans in place. So, so that that data is pretty important to us. It's it's the one piece that we really can have. We have some some other surveys that we use Sabers and some other things to try to gather some information about students and and how they feel about themselves and how they feel about their school and their safety in the school, right. um, and keep our focus that way
0: okay Whitney what um, at the elementary level at Southeast how do we go about uh, measuring the impact of SEO
2: yeah um, just like everybody else mentioned we also use the conditions for learning but we dig a little deeper Um, each grade level has kind of created their own survey that they give to students having them reflect on from their perception Um, do they feel safe at school Um, do they have friends do they want more friends or do they think they have enough friends um do they have at least one adult in the building that they trust and they feel they can go to? Um, So we give that at the, you know, periodically throughout the year to just see um, how our students are feeling. And that's always very insightful. Um, Another question on a lot of them has to do with, um, do you feel like you can identify how you feel throughout the day? Do you have the skills to help? Do you feel like you have the skills um, to help you calm down when you're frustrated? And so that's been really insightful for us to determine Lessons that we want to give our kids, or um, just different ways we can support students, um, whether through small groups or whole the whole class.
0: And so, um, talking about SEL makes me think about um, a questions that uh, a question that uh, our listeners may have around: okay, what does the curriculum look like mm. <laughs> in our district around SEL? And so, Sean, I'm gonna ask it: <laughs> what does our <laughs> curriculum look like um, for SEL?
1: Well, I think um, at this time we have, uh, Leader and Me is a SEL curriculum, and so we have different schools at different stages.
0: Okay. And
1: so with Leader and Me, there's opportunities for schools to um, pick different lessons, focus on different areas, building that common language with the seven habits. Um, We also have up in the high school levels, the MVP program, which integrates a lot of intentional um, components of SEL and gives a lot of opportunities for our young people to feel actively engaged in their community and creating a safer space, not only for themselves, but for other people. And so it can look a lot of, there's a lot of different social emotional learning opportunity, Mm -hmm. even within curriculum. And so when we think about what is a successful um, SEL curriculum, we really want to think in terms of, um, is it sequenced? Does it break itself down into components so that we're able to follow a plan? Um, this, is it active are students able to be actively involved in the curriculum mm-hmm. and play those in practice those skills that are being taught in that um, and then do we have focused time are we intentionally setting aside time and calling and naming what we're doing so that students have a clarity of what it's about and then also on um, being explicit on what skills we're teaching um, this skill building social skills building is as is a, is a is a great important tool right. in this process.
0: right. And so um, I think we've done a really good job of explaining what SEL is, what it's uh, looked like or looking like in our, our schools um, as of today. However, there may be some people who aren't as familiar with um, SEL who may have associated SEL with mental health. And so can, can you, uh, Sean, address how the differences between mental health intervention and SEL and um, what where does mental health intervention um, exist um, in our community um, and how that positions us with SEL in our district?
1: So mental health is something we all have and so we can have healthy mental health we might have challenges and that can flex and change at different times for people. When we think of social emotional learning when we're looking at those components and starting out building those skills for kids, those are skills that they can use to help increase a healthier mental health. Mm -hmm. But just like a reading curriculum or math curriculum, we have some students who might need more support. And so that's where part of what we're doing is also looking at through the strategic plan, being intentional about how are we having mental health services available for students who might not have the opportunity or not have the ability to get to mental health services outside of school time and having opportunities within our school for that.
0: And so establishing those partnerships um, yes. with those services outside of our school district to get those interventions and
1: supports. So yes. And so it, it's tricky because mental health exists everywhere. Right. Just like social emotional learning exists everywhere. But the, the intensity level is different for different people at different times. And so we want to try to be able to meet the best create as many opportunities for our students to be successful in both areas.
0: Yeah. And so what are the plans for SEL throughout the district? I mean, you mentioned that you are completed, have completed or completing an, an audit of our SEL within the district. And so when we think about the next year or two, what, what, is, what are the plans uh, for Ankeny Community School District?
1: I think there's two key things I think we want to look at the next as next steps. And one is helping to educate parents and have an understanding of what social-emotional learning is and how they will be a participant in that. Also, developing a a definition of social-emotional learning for our school district. How do we, when we pull together stakeholders, have an opportunity to identify and define that in a way that we will be able to kind of, you know, grasp as a community? Um, You can go with a professional one, but Castle would recommend that you make one for your community because that's what it's about. It's about opportunities to bring people together.
0: Yep. And so, what type of district level training is needed for implementation of SEL um, throughout our district?
1: So, at, at for starters, we have about seven or eight schools who have gone through what would be called the foundational social emotional learning um, components, mm-hmm. which are three components: um, recognizing your your emotions, um, understanding your identity, and then perspective taking. And then next year, what we'll have is um, as we move towards having a uh, master level social worker in each building, they will be called our SEL champions. Okay. And so we will have opportunities for them to um, support our administrative teams on how to help build adult SEL. Mm-hmm. And then also how do we help um, then what do we do also for our students and develop. No curriculum covers everything. So what are things we need to you know, cover or build in? To help build up capacity, right, and so then also we'd want to look at how do we have opportunities for our administrative team outside of the buildings? How do we help build up their SEL skills as well? Because when we are able to learn, collaborate, and model, we build a stronger system all the way around.
0: Absolutely, and so Jason, when you when you hear this plan for uh, district wide. Um, training that's needed, and you think about the needs of your your students at Prairie Ridge, and the needs of your your teachers. How do you see what is, what what might training look like to complement what we're doing at the district level at at the school level?
3: That's a great question. So I think you know, on some level, I do feel it starts with a um, a leadership team. On some level, right? Like um, the people that um, can get some of that training, and then how do we disseminate that out? Um, I I think in some of the conversations I've had with Sean, right, we think about um, almost an authentic kind of um, delivery model where, you know, teachers, when we think about maybe circles with restorative practice and stuff, like who who can um, facilitate that and who can make some gains in that that then suddenly – other people want to work and do that work as well because they're seeing the, the payoffs in that. So um, to me, it's a lot of um, structure and foundation uh, that's very solid so that, you know, uh, we can grow, grow our stakeholders, grow the people in our school a- as we move forward.
0: Whitney, at the elementary level, you know, how do you envision uh, the needs of uh, your students and then training needed for your staff to address the needs um, at Southeast.
2: Yeah, I think the work begins with um, us as teachers and reflecting on um, our own practices and what we um, our own identities and how our emotions impact our day to day interactions with students. Um, and then I think through us practicing some of those things together as a building and as a team, then we start implementing them um within our classrooms. I think it also, I see a lot of connection to um, our associate team that supports our students um, throughout the day, um, sometimes one-on-one with students, a lot um, out at recess, a lot of places that um, our students are needing that extra support. So I think it's really important that we include absolutely everybody in our building um, in this learning um, as we kind of start in the core for us as um, adults and then um, for our students as well.
0: Thank you. So, final question, uh, and I'll pose it to all three of you. I'll start with you first, Sean. Why is SEL so important?
1: I I think SEL kind of is, it goes by many names, and ultimately what it comes down to is how do we build authentic relationships um, within our community so that everyone can reach their highest potential?
3: Thank you. Jason, Yeah. Sean, Sean hit the word that I was thinking of. I was thinking about our community, right? And in the modern day world, Post whatever you want to call has happened in the last few years. Um, you know, how do we rebuild community? How do we look each other in the eye and see each other's humanity? And and really, that's what you know we've been asking of our staff and of our students and of of ourselves to to you know build those relationships back with people and, and be able to have conversations and partner with each other. So to me, to me, that community piece is really important in this. Whitney, you get the final word.
2: I would just add to that community piece of I think. Um, feeling heard and connected and feeling that you have a purpose and you belong in this community um, it just is at the heart of all this work
0: so thank you Sean Bierman uh, Ankeny's SEL specialist uh, Jason Aker um, our principal at Prairie Ridge Middle School and um, Whitney Longton our assistant principal at Southeast Elementary Um, the job of developing strong minds is not uh, a singular um, a topic or issue here in Ankeny and in our SEL program um, needs to grow and further develop to support not only our teachers and school leaders, but more importantly, our students. And thank you to our listeners for uh, tuning in. And please join us for our next "Let's Talk About It." We are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast the official podcast of Aiken Community Schools.